0: I'm Jim, and this is On The Left Side. You brought the greatest sporting moment to the city that I and my children call home by creating our 5,000-1 to champions. You'll be a hero and one of the favourite sons of Leicester. I miss you. Cock and gab. Last week, as we were putting the finishing touches to On The Left Side, one of the biggest footballing stories of the year was breaking. It is a football story, but it's also a human story. And it is hard to know exactly how to react to the terrible news at Leicester City over the last few days. A tragic helicopter accident resulted in the death of five people, including the club owner, Vichai Srivavat... Sriva... Dan... That was the thing. Still... Even after all the news coverage, no one can say his name properly, no matter how sad the story and no matter how hard they try. In fact, it was Leicester club hero Alan Birchnell, who was one of the few people, despite clearly being incredibly emotional, who actually managed to do it without sounding like a drunk toddler. I just needed to uh, see the tributes paid to Cumbushai just to pay my respects to a, what was a lovely guy a tremendous not just a chairman of a football club but part of the community as well we owe everything to him here's the issue with rolling news 24-hour coverage no matter what's happened there is an insatiable need of modern media to cover every single moment of every single event at every single second of every single day and it sometimes means the coverage gets a little well tenuous like getting Paddy McGuinness's views on the tragedy. And the new Top Gear host, Paddy McGuinness, says sending all my love to LCFC and the family of Mr Vichai. Let's hear from the fans, let's hear from the players, let's hear from the sports minister. Great, but why the fuck does anyone care what no likey, no lighty man has to say simply because he's the latest bellend to host Top Gear? It was an emotional day. And you'd think that because of those emotions, it might have been appropriate for referee Lee Probert to turn a blind eye to Darmory Gray's celebration in which he took off his shirt to reveal a tribute to their former chairman rather than dish out the customary yellow card. But no, he was duly booked. There is a load of debate right now when it comes to refereeing standards. And yes, whilst VAR might cut out a few mistakes... I'm not sure what technology you could use to stop some referees just being jobs worth dicks. (coughs) Let's take nothing away from the emotional tributes, however. It was fitting that Leicester City should get a win this weekend, and it was even more fitting that the minute silence held before every single Premier League match this weekend was so perfectly observed, both in grounds, and I have to say, surprisingly, even in the pub where I chose to watch Arsenal's game against Liverpool, there wasn't a fam or a blood herd anywhere. There's just a profound sadness right across football. And let's not forget the others who lost their lives in the tragedy as well, or the bravery of the pilot whose quick thought saved lives by guiding his helicopter away from busy roads and crowds. But it's the legacy left behind by the owner himself that has really touched football fans. He has a rare honour in football, being loved by the players, being loved by the club and being loved by the city as a whole. A city that he invested in as much as he invested in the club itself. And a legacy that I think was best summed up by Fox's keeper, Kasper Michael. You know, there was nothing he wouldn't do for you. He would help you in absolutely anything. He was always available to the players, to the staff. Yeah, without him, we weren't here. None of this was possible. All the memories we made together as a family, Yeah, without him, it, it, it would have never happened. So, so, again, overwhelming sense of pride to be part of him. And that's it. Without this man that amazing football season that every fan will always remember would never have happened. Because of this man, every football fan up and down the country, no matter who you support or how bad your football team is, when they saw in 2016 the Foxes lifting the Premier League trophy against the odds, suddenly there was a glimmer of hope, a slither of a dream that it's not always going to be the same big teams winning everything year after year and that one day maybe our team might do a Leicester City. Restoring people's faith in football is a massive mark to leave behind. And testament to the impact he's had on the sport and the club is illustrated by reports that the club themselves are planning to rename the stadium after the man himself, which, given the issues pronouncing his name, will leave match reporters everywhere, hoping they just go with the affectionate nickname Vichy. It was also fitting that immediately after the event, the last goal of last weekend's action was scored by Ried Mahrez, one of the players brought into Leicester City by Vichy. It's just a shame that his goal and the tribute he paid afterwards was overshadowed by everyone moaning about the fucking pitch being a bit muddy in Wembley Stadium where the Tottenham Roosters took on the Manchester Moonshine, days after the Jacksonville Jaguars played the Philly Eagles in an NFL match there. I mean, other than the game being played in the wrong stadium with the wrong pitch markings on the wrong day, what's everyone moaning about? Yep, the farce of Tottenham's stadium move continues to cause hilarity for the rest of the footballing world, but it has resulted in the birth of maybe my favourite new Twitter account, at WhenIsItReady, an account that asks repetitively, is our new stadium ready yet? Some of my favourite tweets over the last few months include the one on the 24th of October when they tweeted, No. The one on the 28th of October when they posted, No. But my favourite one so far is on the 1st of November when they went with, No. I've got some content suggestions for them too. Maybe they could post a tweet in a few weeks that says, No. And then another one next month that says, No. And then when it gets to early January, maybe one that just reads, Oh, for fuck's sake, why do I support such a ridiculous football club? No. Keep up the good work, Twitter. By the time the stadium does open, there's a very good chance that fans may be able to have an ice cold beer whilst they're watching their team crash out of Europe after the chairman of the EFL called for a review of the ban on drinking alcohol within the view of the pitch at football grounds up and down the country. Currently there's a blanket ban in the UK, you can't have a beer in your seat and Sean Harvey has called for the rules to be looked at because currently there is only one booze-related arrest for every 25,000 football fans going to the game which kind of sounds like he's saying that's not enough A spokesperson who was supporting the campaign said I think it's a bloody great idea You know what? I bloody love you We should really go on all the day Take a trip Get away from all this shit. I know what. Let's get a kebab. Personally, I think it's a good idea. Allowing booze in the stadium might actually cut down on antisocial behaviour, with groups of lads no longer feeling the need to preload with four pints of Stella down the ploughman's arms pre-match. It works in countries like Germany, so why not here? Although... When I first saw the story, I did misread it as the EDL that was calling for the ban to be lifted, rather than the EFL. Which, to be fair, does sound like the kind of thing the English Defence League would be asking for if they were to write a letter to the footballing powers that be. We, at the EDL, would like to get pissed up during the game, and not just before. We would also like to be able to sit in a different part of the stadium to any of those foreign types, And we strongly defend our right to sing lots of racist songs about Lukaku's penis. Actually, forget that. The last thing I want to do is encourage members of the EDL to start writing campaign letters. Not that they can write, obviously. Now, before we go, let's have a quick word on Jose Mourinho because it wouldn't be an episode of On The Left Side if we didn't. Like a bored high street shop assistant, he continues to do just enough to avoid getting the sack. And this week that just enough was scraping a 2-1 win away to Bournemouth. And after the undeserved result, we got a glimpse into the man-management mind of the special one, as he told BT Sport how he managed to turn it around at the interval. I can't imagine it was um, anything other than strong words at half-time. Hopefully not Portuguese (laughs) words, if you'll excuse the pun, but important words, I guess, at half-time. Yeah, strong but calm. And I started being positive. Firstly, that's not a pun. Secondly... Who knew it? Jose Mourinho went in with a bit of positivity. What did he say? Did he praise some of the attacking intent? The defence for keeping it to just one at the break? The effort levels of the team? And I start being positive by saying that it's impossible to play worse than we did. That's your positive. That's your big motivational team talk. Brilliant. I guess it worked. Maybe they should try and take a little bit of that back home to Old Trafford. You know, in Liverpool, they have that big sign above the tunnel that reads, This is Anfield. A final motivating thought, just as the players step onto the pitch. United could follow suit using that Jose motivational technique and just whack up a great big sign above the tunnel that reads, Don't worry, lads, we can't be any shitter. That's it for another show. Thank you for listening and thank you for subscribing. If you have subscribed, if you haven't, then make sure you click the button however you listen to podcasts. Plus, why not tell a mate about this show? If you can think of just one person who would love On The Left Side, spread the word. Next time you're in the pub, grab their phone, add it to their podcast list and help grow the football funny. Or just tweet about it and make sure you tag us in at On The Left Side. I'll see you next week. Bye. On the left side is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson.